G'day everyone, welcome back to part B of the two-part special with Ava de Huda. Now, if you stumbled across this one without listening to part A, I recommend going back and listening to that one before you get into this one because it'll make a lot more sense. Now, for those of you who've done the right thing and listened to the first one and every other episode on the help side, then let's rip in. This is part B with Ava de Huda. And we talk about what it's like to be captain of the Dutch national team and some of the things that she's learnt uh, taking a year away from the sport. Um, and the results of that were pretty remarkable in that after the year away, she was two-time World Player of the Year back-to-back. Talk about a good sabbatical. Let's go. I want to talk about Rio because I want to finish on a, on a good note. I want, to, I want to finish on 2018. But Rio, similar thing. I mean, you guys, reigning Olympic champions, um, the Dutch team, obviously are going to be favourites um, heading into whatever tournament they they play in. Um, and it was close. I mean, I mean, final, obviously, only lost one game for the tournament. I'm not sure how many games you would have lost in the in the four-year build-up to that tournament. But um, it was just one game and it was a and it was a shootout. But how did you feel? Did that tournament feel different to you? Like were you was it a complete shock that you guys lost or how did that feel? Um again, going towards those Olympics, um, we had a bit of a struggle. Um, and that was actually with our coach. So our one coach got sacked only seven months before the Olympics and then Allison stepped in. Mm-hmm. So I do think that was hard because, yeah, if something like that happens, it is a change and it has an impact on the whole team. Mm-hmm. And normally you work towards the Olympics for, yeah, like, you know, for four years or for at least two years, but most of the time four years. And you do that with your whole staff and with the team. And yeah, this really interrupted our sort of way towards the Olympics. In the end, it was a really good decision and, um, it was what was needed at that time, but to do something where you normally work four years for to do it now in seven months, that's quite hard. So I do think that at that moment when it happened with the coaching, like the change of the coaching staff and everything that if you would have told me or asked me if we would win a medal in Rio, I would have said, no, there's no way because there's just, there's not enough Mm. time to prepare well for this. So in the end, I'm very proud that we got into that final Mm. and, that we yeah we made it through the olympics even yeah it was such a short time um that we had to yeah train um but then in the end if you look at that final game and the way we lost it it's just it's still very painful because we played so well and i really had the feeling that we outplayed them um but the only thing we didn't do right is we didn't execute so we had a stroke. We missed it. We, I think we even hit the post twice, mm. a crossbar. I mean, can you even believe it? And <laughs> yeah, those are the things. It is sports and that happens, but that was really at the, at the wrong moment for us. And that's what GB did better in the end. They didn't have a lot of chances. They didn't get a lot in our, into our D, but the chances that they had, they scored. And then it goes to shootouts. And shootouts is, I think we lost a bit of our belief when it went to shootouts because we had our chances during the game. You don't Mm. take them and then you're like, okay, now shootouts, you know? And I think for them, um, they were in a better vibe and they were ready for that. I think if you get us as a team to shootouts, you have a, you have a chance to Mm. win because Mm. shootouts is, you know, it's 50, 50. Mm. And 
yeah, it was just such a disappointment. But then to me, it was so important to realize, and especially for the younger girls who played the first Olympic Games, you've won a silver medal. I yeah. mean, come on. It is, you should be so proud of it. And it's just the start of your whole career. You've won the silver. And yes, I won gold before twice, but still you've won a silver. It's something amazing, something that people dream of. So we should be happy about it. So I do think in the end that feeling was way bigger than the disappointment because especially looking at where we came from, it was something special and it still is. And I'm still very proud of that whole tournament and what we've done as a team. Um, we have learned from it. And I do hope now that going towards Tokyo, um, that we can give those girls an experience of winning a gold as well. I think that's what hurt me the most too, is that I knew the feeling of winning a gold. I knew what that was about. I, I've got that experience from all the plays when I was younger. And it really hurt me the most that I couldn't give that to our younger players because mm. I thought it was my responsibility to sort of give that to them and to help them achieve that. So yeah, that is definitely my goal for Tokyo now that we, um, yeah, we want to win that gold. We want to go for gold and we definitely hope that we can yeah, make that dream come true. Sure. That's a, that's a pretty incredible attitude. We uh, listen to a few podcasts with particularly individual athletes who have such high expectations um, of themselves. And um, there's a famous Australian swimmer called Grant Hackett. And he spoke about how, um, you know, he sees every silver medal as a failure, which is just bizarre thinking about it, considering how, how many golds he has in his repertoire. And I think um, that's a, that's a pretty powerful attitude about, about how like your pride in your team from coming from that adversity with the coach to, to still winning a, a silver medal is, is amazing. Um, this is the last tournament um, that's that the last major. Um, I feel like I should mention the 2018 gold. Like, again, there aren't many World Cups in any code that can boast a scoreline like this. So you beat South Korea 7-0, China 7-1, Italy 12-1. You beat England, the old rival, 2-0 in the quarterfinal. I'd be interested to hear about that. You got past Australia in a shootout um, in the semifinal, and then you beat Ireland 6-0, who did incredibly well to make it to the final. Um, mm. First of all, I want to talk about England, how that was playing them, similar story, and then move through to the semis and the finals. And, um, yeah, what was it like to, to play to play England again, it's a familiar foe, familiar story to 2012 versus 2010. You come up against a team that um, that beat you in in an important game. How are the feelings around that? I think, yeah, of course we were nervous, but we I remember clearly that we really tried to not like, or that we actually didn't put it down as like to get our revenge on sure. England because it was a completely different tournament. We were on a, yeah, completely, like some new girls and it was just completely different. So for us, it's more about focusing on us, what we can do better and how we can beat them instead of trying to beat them because they beat us. Mm. Um, it's always special to uh, play against England, especially in England, because I think a lot of their fans hate us, which is <laughs> fine. Um, but um, yeah, to us, it was really like, I think a quarterfinal is always super intense because you're either 
you go through the semi-final or you've got nothing. So mm. it's like, it's a massive game. I think it's even bigger than a semi-final or final itself mm. um, because yeah, it's like all or nothing. And um, I just remember clearly that tournament as well, that the, our self-belief and yeah, the fact that we were so ready to play that game and to play that whole tournament. And I think it really helped us as well that we had those big scores, the games up front, because we have struggled with that in the past that, yes, you are better than a team, um, but we would maybe won like 2-0 or 3-0 sure. instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of like 7-8, you probably know what it's like. And I think it really helped us that we now did beat some teams with high scores because we are better and we could execute all the chances that we had or most of them. Um, so that really helped us. And yeah, I think it was more just about ourselves and yeah, trying to prep ourselves for that game. And it wasn't about GB at all, but just about Holland playing a quarterfinal and mm. it ended up to be GB in the end. Um, mm. Yeah, so no hard feelings towards them, but more focusing on ourselves. Mm. And going into that shootout against Australia, um, <laughs> confident? Uh Definitely confidence. It's just so hard because I think with a shootout, it's it's such a fine line with being confident or not. And I was definitely confident that the girls who would take our shootouts um, would score them. Um, but then again, I think that during the game, um, we should have won it during normal time. And we didn't play our best game. And I do think that we have that often during a tournament as well, that there's at least one game where we don't really play so well, but then in the end, you still have to win it. And when it gets to shootouts, we're often like, ah, oh, shit, we should have won this during normal time. Mm. Um, but then I think, yeah, we did go into the shootouts with confidence. And I think in the end, that's what you need is if you are prepared for those moments, if you're confident, then most of the time it will be fine. Um, and luckily it was for us in the end, but it was very close. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, very, it was a very strange final. Um, Ireland did incredibly well to make it to the final, but I, I could confidently say that perhaps with the exception of maybe some of the Irish girls, not many people would have expected the Dutch to come up against Ireland in the, in the final of the world cup. Um, how did that, how did that play out? What was the preparation like? I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't think you would have expected to play Ireland at all. Um, so no, how, how was all. that? Um, I think as a Dutch team, we do like we do prep and we do look at our opponents as well, but we really do feel that to beat an opponent or a country is to really look at ourselves and our strengths. So we have looked at, their strengths and what they can do but then we try to turn it around in how we can um, do it better or what we already have in our own play to excel at during that game um, so it was tough for us because we have watched some of their games and yeah they had close calls with I think Spain and even England at that time or GB where it was amazing that they made the final and we actually in the end we just focused on us and we knew that um, we just, yeah, we had to score. And I think once we score, then mm. we score more. And it was just hard to prep because, like you say, we didn't expect to play them. But then in the end, we focus a lot on ourselves anyway. Mm. So 
that's what we did, sure. what we normally do. Sure. And I don't think in many gold medal games in a, in a tournament, would you be up four or five nil with not a lot of time to go? Um, was there a period there where you could sort of relax and think like, oh, we're about to win a World Cup here and it's a, it's a beautiful day outside, whatever, I don't even know. But was there, was there a moment like that where you could kind of relax knowing that you'd won gold? Yeah, I think definitely the last few minutes were, you could say, relaxed because you're already up um, like 4 or 5-0. Like you said, I don't really remember that score too well. But it was just enjoyment because you know that you're going to win a game. And yes, we still had to be focused because you don't want to concede a goal against you. Um, but then the way we were playing, it was we were just having, we were having fun. We were mm. playing well and we were having That's fun. Cool. And I think that sort of feeling again. And when you think about that, that you can really like soak it in and really enjoy watching your teammates play and do it all together. Um, I do think that was one of the few moments that I've actually done that during a world cup final that you can sort of little bit relax and enjoy the show of what's going on and what we put on together. Um, yeah, definitely a bit more relaxed the last few minutes. Brilliant. So after the World Cup, I want to talk a little bit about you um, as as an athlete. I mean, you're, you're the dual, uh, well, I mean, the last two years you've won <laughs> World Player of the Year, which is pretty amazing. Um, but in your interview about that, you said that... Um, you don't try and be the best in the world, just the best version of yourself. And you try and bring the best out of your teammates, which I think is a very, um, it's a, it's a great mentality and it kind of speaks the way you talk about the girls and how tight you are as a group. Um, it definitely makes a lot of sense, but how does that actually manifest? How does that work out in your day-to-day training and, and playing games? Do you, are you always thinking I want to be the best version of myself or how do you, how do you push your team to greatness or what, how does that work day to day? Um, yeah, I think that I have, so if I can take you back a little bit to, um, 2016 in Rio that, um, I actually wasn't feeling great at that moment. So I think, yeah, six months up front before Rio, I made the decision that I would, yeah, have a little sort of like gap year, um, because I had an injury already since 2014 and it just wouldn't go away and I would just like stop playing and then come back and it Mm. was still painful I was in a lot of pain and I just wasn't enjoying playing anymore and then I think it got mentally tough for me as well that I wasn't enjoying myself anymore because I was just grumpy and yeah not me how I used to know me so I made the decision to stop after Rio and it was literally for me a point that I was like okay I'm actually not sure if this is going to be it for me or if I'm coming back and I went away to South Africa then for a year and I came back in, well, the end of 2017 to start again with um, my club season because during my time in South Africa, I could just like let it all go, Mm. think about what I had done and yeah, just not worrying about hockey or that whole environment. And I started playing there, which was so funny because (laughs) yeah, as you can imagine, the level of playing there is just completely different to what it's like in uh, in Holland and I remember 
people coming to watch and I hear people say like, oh, is that her? Like, I mean, it's not that special, you know, but yeah, to me, it was like, I haven't touched this stick in seven months. And like, it used to, when I was younger, that used to really like hurt me and get mm. to me because I put so much like time and effort in it to be really good. And if you wouldn't have your day then, and people would say that, I would be like, oh, come on, you know, I just, I don't want to hear that. I want to, I train hard to be, a good player so I that's what you want to hear but it like I found myself that it didn't really like it didn't really matter to me people saying that of course I knew that I hadn't touched a stick in seven months so no I definitely wasn't a great player but I couldn't be because I didn't have put in all the training and the effort that I used to do but for me to come back into the national team and national squad I remember it clearly when I came back and there were a few youngsters in that team and we were going to play mini games so um, I had this team with like five six other players and then you come together in a little huddle and then you would say like okay these are the three things that we're going to focus on or whatever but I had been out for a year so I thought okay this is your first training back you just step in and then you'll just see how it goes because they have been working on a lot of stuff that mm. I might not know what has happened and I remember standing there and everyone was looking at me like, okay, what are we going to do? And I was like, oh shit, this is actually not what I expected mm -hmm. because I just wanted to slowly work my way back into, but that's when I realized that even though you step out of the game, when you come back, people still see you as the same. Mm. So for me, that was sort of a moment of realization, like, okay, you have been gone, but I've been, I've been working really hard to get back and I'm feeling well now. And people are looking at me, like whether I like it or not, people look up to you, people look at you, how you act, what you do, what you show. And for me, there was a moment of, okay, um, this is what youngsters are looking for. Like they're looking for guidance in how I present myself on a field, what I do. And if I do it, then I'm sort of more like the lead by example. So mm. if I expect stuff from players, I have to make damn sure that I do it myself. Um, I'm not really a big talker, I think. So I think like our past captain was so inspirational with her words and she could really touch me. And I don't think I'm someone who's great at that. But yeah, I try to be an example by doing what needs to be done. And um, I think that's what I try to do to sort of lead by example, uh, be open and honest to others. Um, I'm all for being positive because I do think that people, um, yeah, are better players when there's a positive environment. And especially when there's a positive environment, the times that you do say things that needs to be said are less hard because, okay, now this is serious and I can actually accept it from you because normally, yeah, it is a lot of good stuff as well. Um, once again, sorry, a whole story, but I think that no, I'm good. yeah all for the yeah for the lead by example and really trusting myself to do all the stuff that needs to be done and then show others more than all the talk and no acting. Sure, is this something that you always kind of felt? There's a, there's a few parts to this question, so I'll try and um, make it understandable. So there was a year you weren't enjoying your hockey in 2016 after Rio and before that with the injuries, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, things that come with that. I'm going to 
section these these questions firstly <laughs> is that something that you would recommend taking a year off hockey because that's a pretty brave move to be honest a lot of people probably would think oh I take it especially in a team like the Dutch team I mean you had the luxury mm. of going to three Olympics before that and you you are who you are but that's a that's a brave move to, to go away for a year and, and work on yourself was that no definitely it was yeah like now I can say that it worked out really well for me but yeah I was just, for me, it was, um, I really had to do it. I was, was I scared to do it? Yes. Did I take a risk? Definitely. I was so scared that I, if I wanted to come back, that they wouldn't want me anymore or that I wouldn't be good enough anymore. I was scared that I didn't want to come back at all because, and then I had finished my career, my sport that I loved so much. I would have finished it like almost hating it and myself for not Mm. enjoying it anymore. So yeah, I, it was definitely one of the toughest decisions I made. But then in the end, it turned out to be a really good one for me. And especially because I could go to South Africa and leave. I think if I stayed here in Holland, it would have been hard for me to step away from it because hockey is sort of my mm. life. It's everywhere. Even though you step out of it, you would still see everything and hear everything. So just to go to the other side of the world and spend some time with Tim, with my boyfriend, that was for me just um yeah the most important thing i think and just to step back um work on yourself learn from others listen and yeah just really find your energy back and i think i really went back to when i was younger like why do you play hockey why did you start playing hockey because i started to play because my friends were going to do it and because i love the game and mm. i just love to play with others I love to be surrounded by others to give others an opportunity to excel as well that's as a kid I always was like okay I have the ball to who can I pass it now so they can do something with it that was me I used to play tennis and I always used to tell my parents like please let me play on court 10 because then no one is coming to watch me because they always go to court one that's where all the good players are I just didn't want people to just look at me and I think as a little girl playing hockey I that's where all that passing come from because I was like, okay, I have this ball for way too long now. I want to pass it to someone else. And I think I went really back to that. Like, why did I start playing? Because I just enjoyed it and loved it so much. The whole, the game and the whole team environment. And I think that's the last two years, three years now that I'm back. That's what I really am doing. I'm just really enjoying it. How I used to love it and, for me, that's the only way I can keep on playing mm. because if that enjoyment wouldn't be there, I wouldn't be able to get the best out of myself. I wouldn't be able to be the best person that I want to be. And yeah, to me, I would recommend it if people would feel like that, but that's just because it worked out well for me. And I don't know if it will work out for everyone else, but yes, it was a risk. Um, it was really needed for me. And yeah, in the end, it worked out well for me. Yeah. Okay. Is it with the the lead up to 2016, would you say you look at hockey and your role within the team or or playing for the Dutch team? Is it different? Did you kind of, when you talk about um, the reasons why you play hockey or why you started playing hockey as a kid, is that something that you'd kind of forgotten or that was something that was always there or what, what happened? Um, Cause it sounds like you rediscovered that while you were, while you were off. I think you sort of forget it along the way because you're just into this, yeah zone and I could even say like this sort of like 
hockey tunnel vision that you're like, okay, we train hard. I want to be better. I play hockey just because I play hockey. Like that's who I am. Um, but it's more than just that. And I think that I've forgotten that along the way. And maybe because I was already in the national team when I was very young and yeah, I mean, we hardly have breaks. So you keep mm. on training for over 10 years. And then I think I was just a bit, um, yeah, just a bit done. And I was just going where the wind was blowing and not really um, maybe staying true to myself as well, like who I am and what I wanted to achieve. And I think, uh, of course, those injuries didn't really help. Um, and that makes it worse. But um yeah, it is. Um, um, sorry, I'm just thinking of what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I heard that siren. I heard the the classic Dutch yeah. ambulance out before. That's <laughs> <laughs> <was> okay. <laughs> um, I think that I I did lose myself a little bit along the way. I think that's the yeah. end of this story. That you sometimes forget that part because you get into that whole like athlete life and like needing to train more do more win more and you sort sometimes have to yeah take a step back and I think that's what really helped me because I yeah I hadn't really done that since I started playing sure um in again your your FIH profile I'm not sure if you're aware that you have one of these but um you (laughs) you would have completed a questionnaire and it's on the on the FIH Pro League. So I'm getting a lot of my stuff from there, which is good. So I'm glad you did that. Um, anyway, one of your, one of the things that uh, I think the question was worded something like your biggest weakness or something like that. And you said frustration mm-hmm. um, uh, was, was a big okay. thing for you. Is that, is that fair or is that just kind of like, cause you're feeling in a survey yet to put something because there are a few one word answers in there. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure if it was, I hope it was a survey from a little while ago, because I do (laughs) think that's what I, what I used to as a player growing up as a kid a little bit, but I think until I was, well, maybe you can even say before I took that year off, Mm. I have always been someone who is trying to get the most out of myself, out of the way I play hockey and if I do something, I do it, I commit fully. It's hundred mm. percent. And I was harsh on myself because I always think that I can do better. I used to look like my little clips. I used to look back at it and then I would pick out the ones that I was doing something wrong and I would be like, okay, what can I do better? Like I was mm. always focusing on, even though I did a lot of stuff right as well, it was more like, okay, what can I do better? And I think that I, sometimes expect that from others as well or to put in at least the same amount of effort or work that I put in there and I think that I at the start didn't really understand that of course I know that people are different but that they feel different about stuff as well or that they do things differently and it doesn't mean that because they do it differently they don't take it seriously but that's sometimes when it would get me very frustrated that I had the feeling that people because they do it differently didn't take it seriously or didn't Mm. put in all the work that I would put in. So I think that's where that word frustration comes from that I, it would like really get to me. And now I can be more like, okay, like it's just a game more to sort of get that sort of vibe in there, even though it's still, 
I take it very seriously and it's important, but in the end, it's just sports. Like mm. it's not life threatening, you know, it's not like, it's not like that. Yes. Mm. When you're playing it, you, you will put yourself out there, but I'm, yeah, I'm a bit more relaxed in that way. Or like if a ref would make a decision, I could get so frustrated. Like, how can you not see that? Or how can you do that? And I mean, it's just one decision. It doesn't mean it changes the whole game. And I think, I think I would, yeah, really get distracted by those sort of little things. And I got a bit um, better at that now, which makes it more enjoyable. And I think I play way better than I um, used to before because I'm a bit more relaxed. It's pretty amazing, actually. Like um, you think about how long you've been playing hockey and all the success that you've had, but you spent a year out of the game in 2017 and then you won back-to-back World Player of the Years with a, a you know, a 12 month long break in, in the middle. So that's pretty amazing. Um, do you think that that mindset has, you know, I just want to touch on the fact that you said you, you're playing better now. Do you, do you really think that you really think that this mindset has made that much of a difference to your hockey? Yeah, I really, I don't think I'm uh, a different player because I think that everything I do now, I had that in me already, but mm-hmm. I think that my mindset definitely has helped me a lot with this just to, um sort of put it all that brings it all together for now i think and like don't get me wrong that year away was it was amazing but i i've never worked so hard to get back because mm, yeah gotcha like i said you you take a risk and it's not a given to yeah come back um normally so and especially not in the dutch national team i mean there is a shitload of talent here. So mm. I was like, okay, you really have to work your ass off to get back into the team. And so I did. And I think luckily it worked out well in the end, but I do think that mentally I really needed that step back to sort of find myself back into what I love to do. And I don't think I'm a different player, but I do think that mentally it really helped me and that it made me a better player. I don't think I'm a better player, but I do think that it made me a better player. It doesn't make sense. Does it? it makes sense. It makes sense. I think, I think it makes sense. Um, maybe, maybe to make sense of that, you've recently, I think at the start of 2018 or, or midway through, no, end of 2018, you were, you became captain, full-time captain of the, of the Dutch team. Mm. Is that, is that right? Um, yeah. Talk to me about being a leader and talk to me about, um, how to be a leader in one of the most successful sporting teams in the world. What's your job and how do you do it? Um, yeah, I think that to me, captaincy is like, it, it should come naturally. It isn't something that, of course, you have to work hard for it, but it should be in you. And to me, it's just like that little C behind your name or just that band that you have on your arm or I don't feel like that I have the pressure of like being someone else that I'm not. Mm. Um, like I said, I've always had that people would look at me like what I was doing. Um, I've always felt responsible for what I would do in a game. I always had the feeling that we didn't, wouldn't win a game because, well, not to say that I'm the only one, but because I wouldn't perform well or that Mm. I could have done better to help us to maybe win. Um, So to me, that hasn't changed. I think more that I have accepted it, that 
you know, that is it for me. I, okay, people watch you. Cool, people watch you. That's fine. They can watch you if you perform and still if you make mistakes, but you try to um, make them better or when you try to, when you make a mistake, get the ball back or whatever. It's fine because it's human. Like even though you achieve to um, or aspire to be the best, you doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. And I think for me, it has been a lot about accepting that some things are what they are the same as that as the dutch national team we are the team to beat okay that's fine we are expected to win okay it's fine if people expect that you know more to sort of accept that that is the case and what do we do now to sort of prep ourselves or to sort of make sure that we are ready for it and like i said i think i've always had the workload that i can put in there i've always be the one who would you know run up front and to do all that sort of stuff so the whole sort of lead by example that mm. is more my kind of thing that i think that is what people respect about me and that's what they um look at when i'm on the field um and i just have gained the sort of self-belief in myself mm. that i have never had before not before 2016 like i knew I was a good player, like I know I can play, but now I really truly do believe that I'm a good player. And even though I make mistakes, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So is it fair to say that you, um, I guess the difficulty with, I can imagine with leadership in general is that you feel like a leader looks like this. Um, And Mm. if you're not like that, then I can imagine that there's maybe a little bit of pressure to feel like you have to be like that or something like that. Um, do you think the fact that you became a captain after that experience away in South Africa and and a lot later in your career, do you reckon that took away some of that? Um, yeah, I guess. Do you think being older made a difference in that in that self belief thing? Yeah, definitely. I think um, being older and then having all that experience and like I've been reading books about the All Blacks or about leadership in general as well and then I'm like, oh, I wish I can still be like, oh, I wish I had a little bit of that, you know, how to, Mm. some people are really good with words. Like, I wish I had a bit of that. But then in the end, every leader is different. And then it's about maybe accepting that I don't have that. But if you have people around you who do have that, then that is their role. So that's why I say the captaincy, it's just like this little bend around your arm because there's, it's so much, there's so many more people than just me. It's not just me. I'm just wearing the band, like that's it. And of course you have maybe towards the media, you've got some more responsibilities, but then that's it. And yeah, I think really, especially if I look at the national team as well, we've got so many players and especially because we play so long together as well, who feel responsible and who uh, take responsibility as well. So it's, it's definitely not just me and that makes it a bit easier for me too. That's amazing. That's a really good answer. I've got uh, one more question perhaps two more questions before we go into some quick, quick questions. The first one is people say you're a very incredibly well-rounded player, the complete hockey player um, you've been known as. And I actually didn't know that you drag flicked, but here I was looking at YouTube videos of you drag flicking and I haven't seen that for a while. Do you still flick? Sometimes. No, not anymore. No. Okay. Um, not really. Yeah. Is there an area like you do look at your play and you think there's, it's a, it's a pretty flawless performance. You're a defender, you're an attacker. Um, you used to drag flick, all these sorts of things. You're a leader. Is there an area of your game that you had to work on a lot more than others or it all kind of just came naturally? Um, I do think as a kid that I was just very, 
sporty and naturally with ball sports I was quite talented so with tennis I could do I could play football we used to play a lot of baseball like I can throw a ball I can catch a ball that like hand-eye coordination within a, and a ball I think um, I was naturally good with ball sports um, I do think with hockey if you talk about like a drag flick that a lot of like time and effort and training goes into that and I don't do it anymore now because I'm just getting too old and my body is just like, no, I just can't do this anymore. And then I'd rather be, um, yeah, a good player without a drag flick than just trying to mm. do both and maybe get injured again. So, and we've got better drag flickers now than I was. I think my drag flick has, has it has been okay. It wasn't really something that I, um, you know, that's Eva de Goede, like you say, the drag flicker. Like you mm. didn't even know that I was a drag flick. It was something that I had as an extra, but it wasn't like, really that good as Marci Palmans was or do you drag flick like what, what yours probably is I don't know but for me oh, it was right. something like a little a little extra thing sure. so I think I'm definitely an all-rounder I remember when I got into the national team and even at the 2008 Olympics I used to start the game as a forward and I used to end it as a defender so I just like it didn't matter to me as long mm. as I could play and I think I'm not really like I am sort of okay at everything but I don't really am good at like one particular thing that you're like oh you're so good at that like you're so skillful or your defending skills are that great or you're like you're passing or you're, I think I'm just overall I can do anything mm. but I wouldn't say that I'm specialized in like one thing mm. um, and I could like when people used to tell me that I was an all-rounder and I was good at anything I was like ah like, I don't know, I want to be really good at something, you know, I want to really like excel in this one thing because that is what uh, makes me a really good player. But yeah, to me, I'm very happy now that I'm, I think I'm a proper, like a midfielder. I try to, um, that whole awareness and trying to find the spaces, that is my game. And I've learned to sort of embrace it now because I think when I was younger, I didn't really have the feeling that, um, I would get um, credits for that mm. because you often see like the skillful players or the players who scored the goals or, and I think now that I have accepted it, that it's fine. And people look more at the whole game now than yeah, really at all the attackers, for example. Um, so yeah, I think I've accepted that, that it's because I wanted to be, so good at one thing it was for me to accept it that it's like okay to be who i am because i'm a good player anyway it's another good answer um okay we're probably going to call it there as far as individual in-depth questions um there's a lot i mean you've got you've got so much in your in your brain and there's a lot more i want to get out of you but in the interest of time um i know you're place to be i have a few quick questions to finish okay this is what i do at the end of every podcast um you informed me before that you could only bear a little bit of my podcast so this is new to you but i typically <laughs> ask a couple of quick questions at the end um just for fun so the first one is who's the best player you've ever played against luciana Omar. okay and everyone does this everyone just starts like answering really quickly as well it's not necessarily <laughs> like that like that okay, just cool. like a little bit why 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 Omar? i mean a lot of people say that but yeah um i think she was just yeah when i just got there and till when she retired a few years ago she's yeah to me she was 
magic. She was such a good player. It was so hard to get a ball from her. She had the vision, but yeah, obviously like the skills as well. She could score goals. She could execute. She she was just really good. And I think maybe because everyone thought she was good at well and sort of like afraid of her, um, that helped her a bit too. But yeah, it was just her eye-hand coordination, mm-hmm. her on the ball. Like I said before, you wanted her to pass the ball instead of dribble herself. So to me, she could she could change a game like that. And she could do that more times in one game. So it was just her and the ball was just danger. Yeah. Good one. Um, best player you've ever played with? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say... Xander Waard now. Um, she's one of our little youngsters. And yeah, I think that she will be the best in the world a few times in her career. She's just... Um, I think if you look at hockey and how it has evolved in the last couple of years, she's one of the new generation, like the 3D skills. She's super quick. Um, she's got her pass as well, but I think she is just... Um, uh, yeah, if you look at skillful players, she's really high up there for me. And I think maybe that I look at her like something that I admire to be when I was younger, like to really be um, as good as that. And just to see her grow throughout the years has been uh, really amazing for me to like be a part of that. And um, yeah, just to watch her play is to me, it's yeah, I really enjoy it and I really enjoy playing uh, with her too it's just yeah that's just a party I always if I have a ball I would look for her and um, if she has the ball then that is just magic as well so yeah it has been very cool to be a part of her journey and to see her grow as a player and I think she's a very skillful player two more questions first one you've been a part of a lot of very successful teams out of the 2008 Dutch team the 2012 Dutch team, 2014 team, and the 2018 team, who would win in a Four Nations tournament? Oh, shit. Uh, that's a tough one. I would say... Yeah, 2014. But then a lot of players would... I mean, in which team would I play? <laughs> uh, I don't know. All of them. None of them. All of them. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. It's just a hard yeah, no, I, I know. Um I think two thousand fourteen yep. or two thousand eighteen, but I probably would go for twenty fourteen. Yep. Um because I think the way we played there was yeah, as a team was amazing. Hmm. But twenty eighteen as well. We really were good as a team. Like even though we've got individual very skillful players as well, I think we won both of those tournaments really as a team. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's a good answer. So we could say that they would make the final and then who knows? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Last question, promise. Uh, you're the best female hockey player in the world, have been for the last two years. Do you have any advice for a young kid who wants to perhaps follow in your footsteps and be the world's best midfielder or the world's best player or the world's best teammate even? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that I do go back to that enjoyment then because I think that's is one thing that I have found 
back recently or like a few years ago and I've lost a bit along the way. So I think it's so important to enjoy it. Like everything you do, you really have to love it. You have to enjoy it. And I think only then you, you will get there because then you are willing to put in the hard work and you are willing to give it your all. And I just love to share things as well. And I think that's why I love to play in a team sport too, is that I, I can really enjoy watching my teammates play or how we set up a play and then score in the end. It's just, it's not about just about me out dribbling like four or five players. I really don't care about that at all. I just love it to see how we as a team can beat other teams and then really destroy them by playing. So I think you have to enjoy it. And yeah, you have to, the best memories that I have um, made is with my team. And I think it's so special that I can always share that with my teammates. So it's not something that I've been like, yeah, I've been to the Olympics and, you know, you tell people and everyone's like, oh yeah, it must be so cool. But I actually have people who understand and who know because they were there as well. And I think, yeah, to me, that is very special to be able to share that with, yeah, friends that you have for life now and just to enjoy it, just enjoy and then the rest will come. Brilliant. We're going to leave it there. That was it. I promised to be the last question. And it is. Thank you so much for giving up your time and speaking to me. It was fantastic. Sure. I've learned a lot and I'm sure um, that episode go really well because that was incredible. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for your time as well. Big thank you to the production team of David Moore, Tim Collier and Jimmy Stevens. If you do like the help side, please like, subscribe, interact. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at The Help Side on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's it for now. We'll catch you on The Help Side next time.